Welcome back to Torches Together. It's been a while since we've done an episode with both Johnny and I. We are still in the midst of quarantine. And this episode is is kind of some of the thoughts that have been coming up through quarantine, I would say. I guess I can just start with what I was writing to post on Facebook. You know, Why not? Sure. So I was writing this post and the question I kind of wanted to start with was how has this time in quarantine shifted your perspective on our effect on the environment and our air quality? Because if you look at the data now that we have, the air quality has drastically improved incredibly quickly since we've all been quarantined. Um, and so we see how quickly it can bounce back with human consumption and activity going down. Um, and so there are differing opinions on the amount of people that died due to poor air quality per year, but it's somewhere between four and seven million people. I think the World Health Organization says like four million something and then Natural, National Geographic was quoting uh, seven million from some from some study. So I don't know what they include in that, but that's a hard thing to comp to accurately measure because there's so many cofactors and well, uh, I th- you know I think that actually is a perfect segue into into what I've been thinking about during quarantine um, because you know you and I have been talking about the environment and. Uh, you know, depleted soils and pollution and what these things cause in our lives, you know, how we are one with the environment. And so everything that happens to it is happening to us. And we've been talking about that for years. And I have struggled with my health, uh, I really believe, due to um, some of those toxicity things that my health was, um, or my, my health problems were caused by Uh, environmental toxicity and some stuff in my food and my anxiety you know like all these things that can again you can't like say it's just any it's the whole thing it's the whole thing yeah and so it is hard to pinpoint that one thing that we quote unquote fight against and so I think as the virus stuff started happening and all the fear was being piled on around it uh, people responded so quickly and and so easily to to that threat whereas people are dying like crazy from things that are caused by our environmental pollution um, and those factors and so it's been interesting to to know that like there's way more deaths going on due to that you know and yet the virus causes us so much more fear because it's like this one thing instead is easier to pinpoint it. I mean, it's not. It's kind of not. Yeah, really? In a way. I mean, there's think about all the debate that's gone on about the testing. I that's mean, it's true. not a straightforward thing to even know when a virus is present or not. Um, so it's not, it's just like an idea. So I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is like, <laughs> what, what causes us to sacrifice so much yeah. for this virus? And yet we will sacrifice like most of us won't sacrifice very much of our lifestyle for the environment and for our air quality, which is killing more people. 
I mean, I think it's the, it must be like the crisis, immediate emergency uh, sort of totally mythology around it. And I guess, you know, yeah, it's more of a shorter term yeah. thing. I mean, there are certainly plenty of people who consider um, pollution and climate change and things like that, like to be like uh, red to alert. be an emergency, yeah. and I I think that's fair. Um, yeah, like, but we don't respond the same to it because the government doesn't. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty care. of things that we don't. Well, I'm going to say I was going to make a point that was different than you bringing the government. Up. <laughs> okay, I mean, you um, can say your point if you want. We can read. Okay, well, it. I was just like going to say there are plenty of things we don't know about. Um, about climate change, as far as like on a macro level, our predictions of the future have been, you know, reliably horrendous. And, you know, there's this, there's the idea that like all models are bullshit, but some are helpful. And so I think the models are all bullshit in that one might be right just by pure chance, but they're most likely all wrong. Um, and I'm sure the people making them are aware of that. You know, I'm not saying that as a um, criticism. I'm just saying like they're doing their best and the models can be helpful as far as trying, you know, saying like we're trending in a not so good looking direction, um, but we don't actually know what's going to happen. But on the other hand, there are plenty of things like uh, like plastic pollution that is clearly visible, you know, and doesn't we don't need uh a model to like tell us like oh wow this is actually but we can we can just look at our health as the as what proves that things aren't doing so well yeah but i also think that something i've realized recently or at least come to kind of think about recently is i think that the at some point, the belief has been planted in us that our bodies and like the whole force of life is not to be trusted. Um, like that our that life is not actually capable of su- like supporting us. That and that we have to like trust, you know, all these external things to like, or I guess maybe it's that, like I really get the sense that some people don't really believe that it's possible to thrive, I I guess. Um, Like maybe even for them individually to be healthy. Are you saying that's like it's like, not a like health isn't really a motivator for a lot of people? Yeah, because I think um, the same attitude pervades in agriculture, in that there is this dominating mythology that we have to use technology to like extract these things out of the earth, and that we have to constantly be using science and technology to increase yields and building vertical hydroponic farms and like. You know, we have to like do go to these incredible lengths to feed the whole population when the reality is, is that when nurtured, the land just pours forth abundantly. Oh my God. Yeah. And 
provides higher yields, incredible like greater nutritional nutrition density, um, just better all around. And so the like life is like in the I think in the it comes down to having faith. Um, you know, tr- like if if we think of the life, the force of life as God, you know, the creator, whatever that is, then it, in some ways, it, in a religious sense, it comes down to having faith in God. That like the creative force of the universe can give us life and provide for it abundantly. I mean, the gospels in the Christian Bible are just packed full of that stuff. You know, Jesus trying to encourage people just like trust that God, like, you know, ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Like seek and you will find like just that. Look at the birds of the field. Yeah, we should act as if, yeah, they, you know, they they don't, you know, worry about shit. And yet God, I mean, that's my translation. (laughs) (laughs) God provides. They don't worry about shit. And uh, yeah, just the. I like all of my understanding of ecology is that the force of life is like, you know, there's this verse in the Bible that says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can even imagine or dream like to him be the glory, you know, and like the verses talking about God. But if we throw in there just life itself, then I think it it obtains. Like life is able to produce far more abundantly than than the vast than the average person can even dream up, let alone those who are like deeply acquainted with the ecology. And um, so I think, but there is a like as we were to come back to what we were talking about earlier there is a there seems to be a deep willingness within people to sacrifice for something you know in this case it's a sacrifice f- you know for out of some immediate fear and and i do think mixed in with that there there are people who who are sacrificing for those that they feel are most vulnerable and not for themselves necessarily um, and so there is this deep willingness to sacrifice within people. Um, you know, maybe part of it is that the, the proposed solution is so damn simple in this case. It's like, stay six feet away from each other, wear a mask and just stay home as much as you possibly can. You're right. And people yeah. are just like, okay, that's easy enough. Great. I can sign up for that and yeah, know with- that I'm like helping this i'm like contributing to my society yeah so it's just Uh, (laughs) it's easier in some ways and it's straightforward that totally makes sense i didn't think about that um i didn't think about that perspective if if solving all of our pollution and ecological conundrums was that simple then perhaps people would just and it felt like uh you know if if people really felt it as like an immediate threat then they would be willing to do whatever it was just like okay just do this a b and c and you're done and like okay great that's i can do that you know yeah i think like the conversations i want to start having because of all of this are like how can we really truly create deep wellness in our local communities 
um, in ways that big pharma doesn't capitalize on, um, you know, because it seems like those are the things that have faded from our society, you know, like we're not as communal as we used to be. Um, and in order for us to grow that abundant food that we were talking about, like God providing or the universe or life providing in order to grow that kind of abundance, um, it seems like we need more human beings on the land, like directly connected to food. Um, and we were even talking about how we, we develop all these machines to make our lives easier. And now we're just bored. And because all the machines can do all of it. And I think getting my hands in the soil recently and planting seeds and starts, like I didn't realize that I was missing that in my life. Like the, it brings so much like belonging and feeling of home to work in the soil. And I feel like we've forgotten that this is our home. And we've tried to make things super easy for ourselves and advanced and all these mm. things. And yet more and more people are depressed. More and more people are sick and mentally ill. Mm. And it's like, I just really think that the, that it is a simple solution to all of it. It, it is. It really, it's, it's, it is simple, but it's not, um, like it doesn't fit on an index card. No, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's tons. It's every little moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's everything that we do. Yeah. And I think, you know, just kind of coming back to more of that presence maybe. Um, and you know, you and I have realized that it's better for us to focus our energy on the literal space that we are instead of always looking out and trying to like save the entire world. Um, start with a model on a small scale and build that and that will extend from there like you drop a rock in a pond and it's like those ripples like or it's like a web that a spider is building you know we start with the center of it you i would argue you start with the center of it and you end with the center of it because no one knows how to how to organize a world that's way too big of a problem but I think it is doable to organize a community. Exactly. A neighborhood, a town, maybe even a city to some extent, you know, but a world, absolutely not. Um, and so to start with that as the problem, like that's a big waste of time. Um, and I mean, you're not going to, no one is going to cooperate. All, you know, the other 8 billion people in the world aren't going to cooperate with you. With and your plan. Yeah. I mean, you can't even communicate with all of them. So it's a dumb. Finding the right scale. Yeah. Well, I've been, I mean, my mantra lately, as I've said, has been find smaller problems. And because it is so easy, you know, faced with things like cl global climate change or these abstract ideas like racism or um you know pollution even these like just huge ideas that encapsulate an infinite amount of you know complex just like they encapsulate so much and so there's there's no way to solve racism in the abstract you know just as like an idea um 
but there are things we can do in our relationships, in our families, maybe in our neighborhood, maybe in our town, you know, and maybe even in our state to, you know, to be able to like get people um, more loving, you know, helping people to learn to love each other better. Um, yeah, like that's that is doable. I mean, you start with yourself and uh, figuring out how to love people yourself. Maybe even learning how to love yourself. Um, yeah, I think you know. We'll, so it's like it all has to come back right to to you mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, there's nowhere. I mean, or, or you can't. I mean, everyone is welcome to spend the rest of their life trying to control other people and get them to change. And uh, but. Man, I've tried that for many years of my life mm, yes. and had very little success. Yeah, almost um, none. So, yeah. So, and I ended it, it didn't, it, I didn't like it actually. <laughs> and yeah. the people who I was talking to often didn't like it. So, and I think that's why I'm at this <laughs> point where, like, I, I feel so drawn to talk about uh, our relationship to the earth. I've seen how humans can respond to a to a, a threat or, you know, a big a virus. And so yeah, now I'm wondering how we can bring that same energy into creating beautiful communities again, um, where everybody is supported, uh, health is abundant in people because health is abundant in the soil people are surrounded by plants and flowers and uh birds and bees and bugs and animals and you know like to me that's that's health sounds great to me (laughs) and that's the way that i feel like we can um approach all of those deaths that I quoted at the very beginning from, mm. you know, air pollution and environmental mm. stuff. And like I was saying, or I don't even think I started saying this, but we can add on a lot more deaths to that number from air pollution if we add on um, the deaths that are caused by other factors like we were talking about, like water pollution, air pollution, um, depleted soils that deplete the nutrients in our food and therefore we are depleted and sick as well um and so i want to find a way myself to put on the mask quote unquote uh social distance whatever those versions are um in the realm of pollution and environmental stuff like i want to figure out what those are and i want to be able to empower people in my community um, to create systems that don't rely so much on on the big pharma and Monsanto and all those things, you know, like separate and build resiliency um, and build health, like true, actual, like deep, lasting health um, by connecting more deeply with our lives, you know, and I think that's something that we can be thinking about right now as we're in quarantine. Like, how are we going to come out of this? Um, and how can we connect more to our life here where we are? 
the ultimate community is comprised of radical individuals. And that ultimately individual responsibility is all we have. And so to all that we can do is take responsibility first for ourselves, then for our family, you know, our neighborhood and on and on and on as, you know, as much responsibility as we can possibly um, take on. And, and I think the best, so in that, the best possible thing that anyone can take responsibility for is the thing that they are most excited about. Right. That's or the thing that they're the most uh, picky or demanding or have the highest standards for. You know, so some people maybe want to have a, you know, a super nice uh, place to live, but they don't really care about the food they eat. So, you know, it's probably better for them to focus on taking responsibility for, for housing in some way, you know, if that's what they're excited about. For me and for you, it's, it's food. Um, you know, that to me seem I'm excited about it in part because it kind of gets to the, the base of everything else and that like the actual proteins and, and lipids and minerals that comprise all the individuals in a community are start out as food. And then soil ultimately. Um, well, I mean, they end as food too. They don't start or end as food. They're, yeah, they're food I mean, at, at one cycle. point in the whole thing. <laughs> and so if I can reach into that cycle and, you know, massage the food part of it so that that part gets a little better, then the whole rest of the cycle is going to improve. That, that feedback is going to reverberate throughout the entire process of life of every individual. And, and not only that, I just love being around plants and animals. Um, so that's to me is the thing, you know, whereas other people might not want to spend their days out around, you know, outside all the time. Maybe just, you know, they might be more into computers or whatever else it is. Um, and so it's best for them to take responsibility for whatever else that, that, that is the thing they're most excited about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in some ways it's like, what do you want to provide for your community? And also, mm. like, how I feel like the quarantine has taught a lot of people how simple their life can really be. And how little they really need to be happy. I mean, the one thing that I think we really do need to be happy, we're not getting at this moment, which is which is each other. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, I imagine like, uh, you know, different, smaller, like tinier communities have, have likely formed um, in some, in places. And, and I imagine people are still finding some way to, I mean, I hope that, People are finding some way to still interact with others, even if that's just standing outside, you know, away from somebody and having a chat with them or using the Zoom computer thing <laughs> or, you know, the video. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I would love to know how many new gardens have gone in since oh, yeah. this all went down. Yeah. I bet. You know, I bet in the United States there's 300 million people. Like, I bet a few hundred thousand gardens have been established. Like, yeah. that's pretty. I, that makes me super excited. Yeah, that's that's uh, awesome. A lot of, I mean, just in my family, you know, a number of different gardens have been established. True. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, I think 
this crisis, you know, crisis always brings some kind of rebirth afterward. Um, and I'm really excited to see that for us, for all of us, you know, um, you know, every death is sad that we have, you know, but I think moving forward, I just want to start talking about what's our, you know, what's our long-term plan for our health and well-being? Like, how are we going to take back our well-being, you know? Yeah. Um, our society has not been built around our well-being. We know this. Um, and I just desperately want that for myself and for all of us to be able to, like, live a life deeply connected to our place, our home, um, our food, our friends, our family, um, and you know, the art that we create out of our lives, like whatever we do with whatever we do, like it's, it's an art form, you know, and it's bringing something to the earth community. So like, what are we bringing and how are we making wellness? Um, not just like a buzzword, but actually something that's deeply true about each of us and our communities. Um, well, I mean, we had been talking about what we were doing, mm-hmm. and you know, so I'd said we were we were thinking about taking responsibility for food mm-hmm. for our community, at least in you know in some you know portion, obviously. Whatever portion makes sense for us. Yeah, and uh, wait, what do you mean? What are you saying? Our portion. Whatever portion makes sense for us. Oh, sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, I mean, I hope to just continue to be able to take responsibility for more and more of that. Yeah, know, and hire more and more extent, people to have that kind yeah. of job, which would be... To the extent that it's needed, I guess. Once yeah. you've fulfilled that need and um, then... Other businesses have branched off of yours, you know, and created those things in other communities. Yeah, I mean, I I personally really, really love the idea of... Um, of small community of a small community of a more shire like existence um, you know kind of the old romantic ideal of the local baker the local you know butcher the local um, you know farmer you know that sort of like very small existence um and, you know, people will say don't romanticize the past, but I think, you know, it's good also not to write it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, we can take the best from the past and leave the rest of this, the shit behind. It's basically just like and, adding more vacation days into your life in a way or like having a lifestyle more where many of your moments are romantic and Yeah, we were talking yesterday about how I think every business has a scale at which it's sexiest and the work is the most romantic you know farming a couple acres is pretty romantic whereas driving a combine you know on 10,000 acres is not that by yourself all day is not that romantic you know I mean imagine it's that farming ideal could probably be romantic for a little bit but then you know so like at that scale, it loses its sexiness mm-hmm. and it becomes more of just like an industrial manufacturing process. And 
you know, I mean, I guess some things will probably always like making steel will probably always be a an industrial manufacturing process. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe someone could make steel in a way that's that to them is sexy and it like totally. I mean, know? I don't. I mean, know blacks, about it, blacksmithing but... has a certain sexiness to it, For and sure. so maybe you could bring that into steel making somehow. Um, or that's just one to leave to the robots, you know, the machines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think farms have a, a sexy scale. Um, you know, grocery stores, restaurants, even, uh, I mean, every business barbershop doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. At some point um, it loses its sexiness at some scale. Yeah. And it becomes impersonal. It's like the difference between going to a, a small, you know, one-off locally owned coffee shop and going to Starbucks or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe some, I get plenty of people love going to Starbucks, but uh, yeah, it just is not. It's so much. I mean, it's like going. Less, to, it's less sexy. It's going. Know? It's like going to a co-op versus going to Costco. Yeah, yeah. Costco's not a sexy place. No, you know. And I think the world could use as much sexiness as possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If we find a bad amount, then we'll stop there. You know. But. Yeah, like get get back to just enjoying our lives together. You know. Yeah, make it a romance. Make it a romance novel. You know. I mean, that's just from two romantics, <laughs> you know, speaking. I don't I can't. I mean, why it's weird that anyone would object to the world being more to life being more romantic. I mean, it seems. And I guess that's strange. why it's good to return to like the starting local or just actually only really doing local because we can create so many things that we need in our area. Like we don't have to really get them shipped yeah. in from anybody else. Um, and I've been seeing in this quarantine, a lot of people turning to local, uh, creators and you know, farmers and all those things. Um, and so I think like, and I think people are not wanting to support, a lot of people are not wanting to support Amazon. And so they're turning to their local people to get the stuff they would usually order online. And you were saying recently, like the, the best thing you can do if you want to like um, stop some big force like Amazon or Monsanto, people in the government, whatever, whatever it is, fill in the blank, um, is to make them irrelevant. Yeah, I think to big institutions, irrelevance is like the greatest weapon. And so we have like, I think that's the responsibility we can all take right now is what we're mm. buying and purchasing I mean, if everyone stopped going to Walmart one day and just started going other places, like as far as I can imagine, I can't, I can't think of any way that Walmart could use its influence to somehow like force people to go there. If everyone just decided, you know what, we're done, no more Walmart, we're going to start going other places, it would go out of business. That's just, I mean, that's how it works. And, you know. People are still choosing to go there for what, you know, for a whole host of, of reasons. And so it stays in business. So, you know, people keep we keep ordering from Amazon and they stay in business and then people get upset and complain. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, if everyone stopped ordering from Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos would eventually run out of money. I mean, he might start some other business. You know, he probably has other businesses, I suppose. But uh, Amazon would eventually go under if it became irrelevant, mm -hmm. if no one needed it. 
Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, people obviously find it incredibly valuable and that it's thus a valuable company. It's fast, easy, cheap, like mm. all those things that people look for. I think um, what we're finding uh, more and more is that cheap things end up being really expensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, cheap food is incredibly expensive. Um, I mean, right now, I think the U.S. spends five times more on disease management, chronic disease management, than on the military. And we have one of the largest military budgets in the on the globe. Um, so that's saying something. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think because of that, like, that's such a bleak picture that in some ways... I want, you know, that, that definitely has probably contributed to the lack of faith in, in the, the kind of the force of life. And, you know, that like as a society, we don't really believe it's possible to be healthy and to thrive. And there's even some, you know, there's even people who will get upset with you if you suggest that and say that you're being oppressive by, you know, suggesting that people could be healthy um and i'm sure everyone's not capable of the same level of you know there's also you know it's an infinitely complex deal but i'm sure everyone could be healthier than they are you know and and if you can't that's okay too but it's worth a shot i'd say you know yeah um and yeah so i mean i like i i have that faith that that life can provide, you know, as much as we need to, to thrive. Yeah. And cause it's, it's actually not that much really. I mean, that, that's um, what I said about quarantine. Yeah. It's like we're being shown how much we really need or not. Yeah. And I mean, people all over the world thrive on far less, like way less even I mean, our quarantine is like rich abundance, you know, yeah. on a global, you know, relative globally. And yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Ooh, a bird just flew into the, to the screen, the luckily, screen door. Not the glass. Oh my God. Okay. Well, well Robin, um, maybe it's a sign for something. Yeah. <laughs> I had the thought a couple of days ago that a lot of people say that things are terrible and they have to get better. And I think if they like, you know, really thought about it, they, you know, or like if they were thinking clearly, they would realize things are actually really, really crazy good. Um, but that, there are there are ways in which they're being prevented from getting better um and you know but there is still so much i think for any person to be grateful for regardless of their circumstances um but on you know uh, there's also so much awesome room for improvement and it's a bummer that there are people like so opposed to some of those things going forward yeah um but That's that's why you're making the more irrelevant. irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you make those people irrelevant, then uh, I think that's that's the ultimate blow. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like if someone's not needed, 
then they, uh, you know, uh, if no one listens to you, then you don't really have much, you know, sway. <laughs> yeah, you could just be yelling. <laughs> yeah, you could just be no screaming one, and yelling. No one's listening. No one cares. Um, yeah, so there you go. I mean, there's a couple thoughts on what what we could do to um, just bring more wellness and beauty into our all of our lives, our, collect, yeah. our collective life together. Yeah, I think just planting literal flowers and a lot if we allow flower in that sense to embody just like all things beautiful then like the goal is not even the goal but just like the opportunity is to just be continually planting flowers whatever that whatever you consider whatever flower gets gets you most excited just go plant those flowers everywhere and uh, you know take responsibility for that and um, you know, try to change other people at your peril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do like I do like how you have have the perspective of like planting something versus like trying to destroy something. You know, it's it's an empowering. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's no it. amount of screaming and yelling that's gonna get Jeff Bezos to close up shop. You know, or get like you know, it's just yeah. You know, as far as he's concerned, he's providing like the most valuable service that anyone in the globe has ever done. And so he, you know, he probably feels proud of what he's built. Sure. Uh, you know, and all course. the people, you know, to some other people, he's the Antichrist, probably. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm just going to start uh, buying, you know, beef from my local, my local butcher and farmer and uh, make the bigger operations irrelevant, the bigger feedlots irrelevant. Um, and apply that to every area of my mm. life as we go. We can, we can do it sexier. Let's, yeah. Make them irrelevant. Make it sexy. You heard it here first. <laughs> Torches together. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>